Hello, and welcome to the Geek Embassy Talk, Sexual Identities. Thanks for joining us. We're live on the Rose City Comic Con Facebook page and the Awesome Con Facebook page. And we're so glad you're here with us today. Um, let's see. I'm Regina McMenemy. Uh, I am the executive editor at the Geek Embassy, which is a geeky website and podcast uh, where we talk about all our geeky passions. Um, I have with me today Isabella, Dante, and Joanna, um, and Go we're going to have a conversation about some, our sexual identities, definitions of sexual identities, and some representations of queer identities in pop culture, specifically geeky pop culture, which we are all pretty big fans of. So we do have some moderators who are looking at the Facebook pages. So if you do have comments or questions for us, uh, share them there and they will uh, get them to us and we will incorporate them into our conversation. All right, how's everyone doing today? I mean, my internet's um, being kind of a jerk, but uh, otherwise I'm doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope it like gets its act together. <laughs> <laughs> so if you do need to like uh, mute your video, if that makes it easier, um, uh, that is just definitely something that, you know, you can do. <laughs> we'll miss seeing your face. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'll start with just a really brief introduction, then we'll go kind of around the circle here. Uh, so my name's Regina. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DocLiz with two Zs. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. Um, I identify as queer, bisexual, demisexual, and cisgender. And uh, we'll get into what some of those uh, terms mean after we kind of get everybody's down. So, Isabella? Hi, I'm Isabella Oliveira. I'm the content manager and, I guess, podcast editor for <laughs> the Geek Embassy. I'm just going to throw that one in there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um I am let's see I am trying to look at our notes and I can't find them um but I am a queer lesbian depending on <laughs> where we are um demisexual uh gray romantic uh black latina autistic I forget all my labels, but <laughs> that's, that's, that's most of them right now. That's so. most of them. <laughs> awesome. All right, Dante. Uh, hi, I'm Dante Buccieri. I am, uh, I'm, I have also notes as well, and they're over there. Now they're over here. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, his, um, and I am cisgender, uh, mostly straight, Mostly heteroromantic and uh, yeah, half half Latino, half white. That's pretty much all I've got. So I'm the <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm the host of uh, the Geek Embassy Watches, a, a monthly roundtable where we talk about what we've been watching on TV and what we're looking forward to in the future. So yeah. come and join us uh, every single month. It's uh, getting a little bit crazy with uh, with quarantine television. Yeah, and lots of rewatching. We've been talking about. <laughs> gone through Star Wars, Star Trek, and all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the last 60 days. So yeah. It's been, it's been a trip. 
<laughs> All right, Joanna. Uh, I am Joanna Milius, occasional contributor at the Geek Embassy. Um, <laughs> I am a uh, sci-fi and fantasy writer, and I, uh, well, I, cisgender, uh, bisexual, she, her, hers. Um, I don't know what else to say. I'm white, I'm depressed, and uh, yeah, ready to party. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, if we're going that far, then uh, then we definitely have uh, anxiety and uh, a low-level depression on this side, too. Uh, definitely exemplified by the pandemic. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think I've, I've developed anxiety as a result of the pandemic. Yes. I am, uh, I'm, I'm a raging extrovert. And being cooped up by myself in this tiny, you know, 500-square-foot yep. apartment is uh, driving me insane. <laughs> It's it's not it's not for the faint of heart. I think it's putting lots of us to the test. Ain't that so, true? Yes. Um, all right. So uh, so that gives kind of some basic labels uh, that we all have. Uh, so let's see what what which one should we start with? What should we talk about first from the labels that we've thrown out there? Hmm. Well, my confused self could use a little help um, because I when I first came out, um, bisexual was the term that most resonated with me. Mm -hmm. Upon further research, I've realized I'm probably technically pansexual um, because it really doesn't matter uh, what your gender is as long right. as you are confident in yourself. That's, right. that's what I'm attracted to. So yeah. I get bisexual asterisk pansexual. Right. So if we want to start with those definitions, bisexual came out when we're still very much in you know, embedded in the, the, the gender spectrum being male versus female, you know, having two. And, and that's where kind of the term came from. It came from, okay, you're not just either, you know, hetero or homosexual. Well, you could be both. And that's where the, the term came from. You can be attracted to both genders. And then as, you know, we've evolved and started to accept the idea that, well, maybe there are more than two genders, pansexual was part of what came out of that as well, where it starts to open up that spectrum to not just look at that binary of male, female. So that's definitely. I've also heard a lot of people explain bisexual as in it's people who present as a gender like yours and a gender that is also people who don't represent, like who don't, present as a gender like your own so it's like so if you present as female then you know you're attracted to females but also anyone else basically yeah. I have a few I have a few friends who identify as bisexual under that definition that's good to know thank you yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so, so as, as the the mostly straight guy who feels very uncomfortable being here because I'm a mostly straight guy speaking on a sexual identity panel. Um, where do you mostly you straight guy is a sexual identity? Yeah. Just throwing I, that out there. You're, you're absolutely correct. Uh, but where do you all throw the, uh, like throw the line between like bisexual versus pansexual? Like now that, like now that we've like, we, we've come into the era where, uh, where it's, widely recognized that that gender is a spectrum it's no longer a binary one versus zero kind of thing um like wh where do you come uh, come down on that term at this point like in this was in in both of your lives and in both of your identities um well i think kind of what jay was saying too about the like i think i'm comfortable identifying as bisexual because that's the first term that i learned 
Like that was the identity that I first um, kind of grew into. So part of my my evolution of my understanding of my own sexual identity, I I hung out with with all the gay kids in in high school, right? Like theater nerd. Um, two of my guy two guys that I dated were were you know gay, like gay. Um, you know, but like we didn't know or didn't talk about it, at least in my era. We didn't talk about it at all back then. And didn't understand, you know, or didn't kind of like see that as a pattern or recognize any of it until later when I came to to learn that there was this term and there was this identity where you could be attracted to both. Um, and I was like, okay, so this makes sense now. Now I'm starting to understand kind of my queer identity. Like I don't follow that main line. Um, of that heteronormativity, that hetero, you know, sexual normalization. Um, and I don't fit there. And so that's why I fit more with these people. And so for me personally, it's just, I think it's, <laughs> I hate to like be that person who doesn't evolve, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's just how I think of myself. And I don't have that attachment to pansexual. Um, and it's not necessarily because I feel like I'm only attracted to male and female um, people necessarily, it probably is more of a pansexual identity for me, but bisexual still resonates more for me than, than pansexual does just because of where I was and what it meant to me when I was learning about myself. So that would be how I was glad I'm not alone in that. (laughs) (laughs) I learned something today. And that's part of why I still use lesbian as an identity, especially since uh, I find queer is more like encompassing of my identity since I am have been attracted to like non-binary people in the past. Mm -hmm. But I do have attachment to the word lesbian and it is in certain circles easier to explain that to people because then you don't have to explain the entirety of gender (laughs) to someone who just asks offhand about something. Right. Um, Or having to explain to people that queer isn't necessarily a slur anymore because that is something that is coming around again. And and people who don't, who who think queer shouldn't be used and it's kind of a, um, like going against uh, like all that and that that's why I keep using queer especially to kind of go against that kind of discourse yeah. Take kind, it kind of like, a, like, like a reclaiming of the term I'm sorry I didn't mean to speak over you yeah no totally it's zoom we're all going to be speaking over each other <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, we, we've done podcasts before. This is how it goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I can, I have definitely spoken over you, Dante, many times. I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the reasons, though, too, why I also like queer as, um, I mean, we talk about in, you know, like my studies and getting, you know, my PhD, we talk about queer theory. And I remember being in the classroom and one of the one of my classmates describing queer theory as instead of looking at everything like straight on, like hetero society tends to be like you're just that straight line. It's like it's turning it like you turn it to its side and look at it from all angles. And so I think of the term queer being encompassing like that, where you aren't just looking down a straight and narrow 
you know, path, you're, you're taking each object or each person as their whole and kind of turning and seeing them as a 3D image instead of a, a straight line. And so I think that that's one of the reasons why I will probably always identify, like in my list, I put queer first too, um, because like, you know, don't fit in this line. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And And it encompasses more than just my sexual identity and also encompasses like my romantic orientation and all of that rolled into one mm-hmm. yeah. umbrella, so to speak. So yep. absolutely. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. Wonderful little cornucopia. <laughs> hey Dante, can you really quickly like unplug your mic and plug it back in and see if you're having like maybe a connection? You're still coming in real low on your Uh oh. <clears throat> Okay, I unplugged and replugged. Have those sounds? Uh, it's a little better, but it's still coming in kind of low. That's all right. We can hear you. It's just a little, a little dimmer than it has been in the past. Okay. All right. I'll try to, try to eat the microphone next time. Okay. <laughs> so use your um, ref voice, Dante. <laughs> okay. <laughs> for those uninitiated, Dante is a ref for um, roller derby. Um, mm-hmm. He was a Rose City Roller Derby, um, and now he's in uh, Eugene, and I can't remember what they're called. Uh, I'm with the Emerald City Roller Girls uh, and Lane County Concussion and also Cherry City Roller Derby up in Salem, Oregon. There you go. Because, you know, I hate having free time is basically, <laughs> basically the most easier, and you know, now I've got all of it. It's great. All right. So, so as we kind of move through this, um, I want to talk a little bit about, like, I already shared a little bit of my story about, like, where I where I recognized or started to learn more about my identity. So I want to talk to you guys about like where you first recognized your sexual identity. So Dante, um, when did you know you were straight? That's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) I've, uh, I've never really questioned it. I mean, like I've, I've never really questioned it. You know, I, I grew up in a, you know, fairly like milk toast, small town, you know, traditional uh, traditional catholic values is like oh okay cool like this still kind of fits like everything's like everything's just how all the adults in my life tell me it's supposed to be um yeah and then you know and then you go to college and things just get turned upside down um and it's it's been uh it's been kind of an ongoing uh i don't I don't feel comfortable using the word struggle, but for lack of a better term, like I'll just say it's a struggle uh, to, I guess, label myself. Like I, like the most comfortable thing I can come up with is like mostly straight. Uh, Cause I have, I have definitely, like I've definitely experienced a lot of like, a lot of uh, emotion, emotional and physical attraction to, uh, you know, to other male and male presenting, male presenting folks. But I think, you know, just in like in doing research and in doing reading, um, it's probably a little bit more like, like mostly straight for like for women, but like kind of demisexual for men. Like there has to be that emotional connection there. Otherwise it just really doesn't do much for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of just like just mental backlogging and reconciliation. Like I had a very, had a very intense and emotionally close friendship with a, uh, uh, with a, a good friend in college. So, um, 
they were male presenting at the time. I'm not sure what their pronouns are now, so I'm just going to say them <laughs> uh, at this point. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Jay and I were very close, and you know, and there was there was a lot of there was a lot of feelings of uh, romantic love there, and I've you know, felt it like a couple more times as I go through my adult life, and you know, struggled with thinking like, am I bisexual? I'm like, but it it, it and in, that never really fit. Um, so. Yeah, so that's it, it's still an ongoing thing, and even when the last like two or three years, seriously, really questioning like how straight am I? What's going mm-hmm. on? Um, it's uh, it's still an ongoing journey. Whereas yeah, you know, it, it feels it yeah, and it, it feels almost disingenuous. Like I feel very uncomfortable, like as a man, like as a person who's been basically saddled into the whole like I'm straight for most of my life and then all of a sudden I'm 35 years old 33 mm-hmm. years old and thinking to myself just like oh like do I fit into this little into this space where like right. not a lot of other people need to be in this space like who are me yeah well I think I think that's one of the things that's important to acknowledge too we don't all know or recognize um our these aspects of our our identity you know, at any specific time or any specific age, and there's no, you know, there's no right time or no right place to to come to recognize who you are or what you value or any of that. So, um, but with within that too, I also want to there's there's a few terms that you use that I want to make sure we we talk, we address as well. Um, I, we need to talk about a little bit about the the differentiation between um, sexual attraction and romantic attraction because they're not the same thing. Um, they're sort of different categories. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about demisexual because I think, um, uh, at least three of us identified as demisexual as well. So, uh, Isabella, do you want to define demisexual? (laughs) I don't do all the definitions. Um, So uh, there are slight variations on the term. Um, but the one that I see most used is, uh, people who need an emotional connection before they're sexually attracted to someone. And that sexual attraction may differ depending on um, how they feel, depending on where they are on the asexual spectrum. You can be completely... Um, and then there's there's the difference between like like how much sexual attraction you actually feel and that kind of thing, because for me, that's also tied into it. So, but most often, I feel like the definition is you need right. an you emotional. Need, you need an emotional tie to something yeah, to, to, have, to actually even right. be attracted to someone. Right to have the physical, the physical works, the emotional. You have to have the emotional connection for in order for the physical reaction to right, yeah. right. work. Yeah. Yep, and yeah, and that's the thing that just like as soon as I learned that term, like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. Right, right. <laughs> like, oh, this, like this is this is where I am. So, it's just, you know, like I've never really like you know like come out because like it feels disingenuous for me to say like, oh yeah, I'm gonna come out as this. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like there's there are many more voices more important than mine that need to be heard. So, like, I'm very comfortable just taking a backseat. <laughs> I've got this small victory for myself. Well, I think it's important, though, because I think in a lot of um, stereotypes, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stereotyping that women are going to be women or female presenting 
people are going to be more likely to be demisexual because it's what like narratives tell us women need this emotional connection. So I think it's really important for men who identify as um, demisexual to to talk about that because it is something that isn't um, isn't sort of portrayed, you know, as it's not normalized, not the way it is for women. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And myself, I only came across the term like a few years ago. Yeah, me too. I haven't, I haven't and, known it for that long either. And it really helped explain <laughs> a lot of what was going on in my head because oh. I went right. several years without even dating anyone. And I feel like I, mm-hmm. there was a lot of like feeling like I wasn't normal or right. there was something like not right in my head, but no, yeah. I just, yeah, I feel attraction in a slightly different way. Right. And that's cool too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. I think for me too, there's a difference. Um, I think, I think the demi side of my, my sexuality tends to come out more with um, male connections. Um, I think I'm more comfortable with women just in general. Um, and some of that comes from past history and past experiences. Um, but definitely in my relationships with the men I've had, having that emotional connection is vital to, um, to the sexual connection maintaining. Um, so I think it, it really is kind of one of those things that does evolve and change based on your experiences as well. Yeah. Or at least personally it has for me. So. Mm-hmm. So Jay, what about you? When did you kind of like have your recognition of your sexual identity? Um, well, I struggled with it a lot. Um, I was raised Catholic and, you know, pretty normal middle-class upbringing. Um, but I always kind of knew that I was Catholic. I was raised Catholic too. <laughs> so was I actually. Oh my God. Man, look at that. <laughs> what are the and we're all here on a sexual identities panel. <laughs> like that says a lot. <laughs> it does say a lot. I no longer identify as I, I am definitely identify, I identify as, as recovering Catholic. Catholic. So <laughs> that's, that's it. That's exactly it. Yep. It's a rag on faith, whatever gets you through the day. <laughs> I internalized a lot of stuff, but um, no, I, I grew up uh, tomboy. Wasn't the right term for it. Um, through high school and college, I had a lot of people telling me, Oh, I thought you were a lesbian. I didn't realize you dated Ben. Um, so I don't know if I, I mean, I'm still studying where I fall on the gender spectrum. Um, I don't really feel like male or female or, you know, anything mm-hmm. in between. So I struggled a lot. Um, and it wasn't until I came across bisexual representation that it finally clicked. Like, it's okay to have a fluidity about you. It's okay to right. have, have it be situational, dependent on the person. I'm mean, I got to give a shout out to Bioware for that. I'm sure we'll get into it. But yes. uh, the representation in video games is what really helped me become who I am. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I love those stories. I have a an episode. So the podcast that I host is called Game on Girl. And one of my very first episodes when I was um, first producing the show six or seven years ago was with a listener who was trans. And um, she came on and told her story about how gaming had really helped her understand um, her identity. And I love those stories. I think they're so powerful. I mean, I think literature and movies can do it the same way, but there's something about gaming because you embody the characters that you're playing or you actually get to experience those stories in a way that you don't otherwise. So I think it really has that potential. Yeah. Cool. All right. What about you, Izzy? Uh, You mean how I came to 
my identities? Yeah. Well, I was, let's see. I always grew up feeling like it didn't quite fit, especially with like a sort of religious background. I was always like, mm, <laughs> this doesn't quite mesh. Um, <laughs> but I, I didn't quite understand it until I was probably an adult. Like I did not come out to someone um, until I was 18. Um, cause I grew up in a small town. I did not have any queer friends. I, the only, the, the first real queer representation I saw was watching the L word. So, and that has its own share. Of that's, that's got a whole <laughs> host of problematic stuff to deal with. Uh, that was the first yeah. thing that actually like laid it out for me because there was always like that real nebulous like what does this mean and what is this like yeah. oh they're just really close like the Zena Gabriel like mm-hmm. <laughs> gal pals kind of representation and mm-hmm. nothing ever really like explicit that actually explained to me and growing up especially growing up Latina it just it's something that's still not really talked about that much because it was only after I came out that I that I heard like about my gay cousin somewhere and I'm like what is not gay cousins <laughs> and now I am one of the gay cousins so right wasn't there, there we wasn't go. there um oh god well we're gonna get into representations later um but um oh god I'm gonna have to remember the name of the show it's the Netflix show with the Cuban family that you made me watch as a doll, and I can't remember what it's called. One Day at a Time? Yes, that one. I'm like, it was based on one of the 70s, the show from the 70s. Um, yeah, but isn't that one of the stories in that, too, as uh, one of the people comes out to her family, isn't there, as, and then they're at a family event, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, here's your other gay cousins, oh, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That definitely, definitely. I think it was like one, one of the daughters the quinceañera yes exactly yeah she's like where were all these people right like (laughs) where have you been like why has nobody told me that we have gay family like yeah um yeah so we'll get we'll get more into representations as we kind of get along here um i do want to give a shout out to beth lopez who is uh listening and she put a comment in yay dante oh Oh, God. I, I knew Beth back when I was uh, living on the East Coast. Uh, she was part of Connecticut Roller Girls. All right. Uh, that's where I got my start. And you know, now she lives in uh, Portland as well. So All glad right. you're watching. Yes. Thanks for watching. And again, if anybody uh, anybody watching has questions, uh, just put them in the comments on the Facebook and um, we will uh, incorporate them into our chat here today. So, um, so Isabella said this already that she was 18 before she sort of told anybody, um, uh, about her sexual identity. Um, what about for you guys? Is there, did you have a process of like telling people in your lives or is it something that, you know, oh, we're on a Facebook live zoom meeting now. (laughs) Everybody's going to (laughs) know. Oh man. Uh, Jay, you want to go first? I mean, I, I still was struggling into my early 20s to quote unquote define myself. Um, so I did. I mean, I remember coming out to my mother in a jack in the box, which was fun. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, no, I mean, a lot of people don't actually know in my life currently because mm-hmm. I am in a relationship with a man and have been for years and years. 
Um, but you know, I feel like I should talk about it more. I should, you know, let people know that it's okay to have kind of a nebulous or just an openness to, you know, right. people and different kinds of attraction. But um, yeah, I was still working on it in my early 20s. It wasn't until then that I came out. Yeah, yeah I think that that's, I, I think that's, that's an interesting point. It was something I was hoping we'd kind of get to because Jay and I both are um, in hetero relationships. And so it's a really interesting thing to that, that kind of idea of bi erasure or um, this part of you doesn't exist because you're in this type of relationship. Um, and so, you know, that they, it doesn't stop who you are. <laughs> work this morning inadvertently because explaining to them why I was taking the afternoon off. So I would keep if anybody's watching. Bye. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yep. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, for, uh, yeah, for me, um, like I, I, I've been questioning kind of like internally, basically like since college, um, and only really became, I don't know, comfortable with like telling like just like the women that I've dated over the last like five or six years. Um, and it was mostly just like, okay, like, like, th- like this is who I am. This is who you are. Great. Like we don't need to go ahead and like you know, proclaim it to the world or anything. So I guess that means that I was uh, today years old when, <laughs> <laughs> when I told, you know, people in public about the uh, about what my sexual identity is um i mean like i've known you and uh, you and izzy for years uh so mm-hmm. i i'm sure that like mostly street has come up in private conversations with you two right. um like when we've we've been in cars and sushi restaurants for hours on end like i'm sure that it's come up uh but yeah like basically just like hey yeah, yeah mostly straight sometimes i like uh yeah sometimes i like looking at dudes like <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, I did a very unofficial high school reunion with like just my actual friends from high school um, oh, yeah. like 10 years ago was before everything in my life is before or after I finished my PhD. So it was before I finished my PhD. So it has to be 10 years or so ago. Um, and we went to like a water park and we were, you know, sitting and having lunch after having been on the slides or whatnot. And one of my friends from high school turns to me and he's like, tell me, you know, what guys you're looking at, you know, here at the water park. I want to know what your type is. And I just sat there and I was like, <laughs> just, I, you guys know me pretty well. You know, it's not that I don't have a filter. It's just, I just say what I'm thinking sometimes. Maybe that means I don't have a filter. I'm just honest. And so <laughs> he's asking me what guys I'm looking at. And I'm like, I'm not looking at the guys here. Like I'm looking at the women. <laughs> and that was probably one of the very first times in any kind of public setting. I was just like, here you go. You want to know, I'm not looking at the guys. There's lots of women to look at here and you know yep yeah i even to this day it's uh, coming out is a weird term because it's not a singular right it's not a singular thing. event it's not like one thing um, that happens right because you come out all the time it, talking about i make a point nowadays to if someone asks me something at work i say my girlfriend and I say, I'm queer. And I bring in those things because it's yeah. because the, one of the first things my coworkers asked when I started my job was, are you married? <laughs> and I wasn't dating anyone at the time. So it was kind of weird to be like, well, no, I'm not married. But I didn't know how to get 
into how how do you explain that when (laughs) but you also don't want necessarily want people just assuming your straightness or your (laughs) well because that's that does tend to be what happens is that you do you know yeah 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 you get get your straight until proven otherwise right yes exactly you know and i i know especially as like an, a brown person that it's often even more I am I often come across as <laughs> straight because it's assumed right yeah I mean you know Just I would I would for say the same many reasons although I will I will note this that I love to tell this story um I don't know what the story was you don't know, the, you don't know I don't think you know the story I tell it in class a lot um I the one of the times I was teaching women's studies um one of my students told me um, and, and, you know, I hadn't presented to them at that time that I was bisexual. Um, uh, she told me that her dad was convinced I was a lesbian and I'm like, I'm married to a man. <laughs> and she's like, it, it doesn't matter to him. You're still a lesbian. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Okay. <laughs> Thanks for erasing like a huge portion of my identity <laughs> and erasing my husband entirely. <laughs> also for thank you for getting into my personal life. Right. And like, why dad. are you having a conversation <laughs> with your dad about my sexuality anyway? Yeah. This is probably not appropriate in some ways. Um, it it doesn't really odd. sound like there was much of a discussion at all. Like it just kind of no, sounds like, like, he, like, nah, she gay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like she teaches women's <laughs> studies, so she has to be gay. And yeah. then I was like, I think at that point, because she told me that in class, and I think I told them at that point that I was bi and I identified as bisexual, mm-hmm. um, but that I was, you know, in a hetero presenting relationship. And I but then I launched into the whole thing about, you know, what it means to have an identity that is erased by um, other aspects of your identity and other aspects of your life. Um, so, you know, it, it was a good teaching moment. Um, but it was, of course, a story that always stuck with me because how could it not? <laughs> like, here's just this general assumption this person made about me yeah. um, based on on my career and, you know, classes that I was teaching. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. We have a couple more comments in here. Okay. We have lots of people saying hi to Dante. Lucilla. Oh, hi. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dante Allison. knows 10 billion people as a yes, resident Dante. extrovert. Dante knows <laughs> lots of true. people. And Pearl wants to know where your mouth guard is. Matsu oh, okay. can't wait to skate with you again. <laughs> so you're getting... Uh, it, it, it's across the hall and I'm not on skates. So she has, <laughs> has no claim And here. have a couple of comments here from um, Jay, uh, who's a, a fan of another podcast that I was doing called uh, Geeking with the Moms. Um, he said that hamburger place or an actual giant pop-up toy with a crank would say, pop, mom, I'm gay, would be an interesting way to come out. <laughs> I, I did mean the restaurant. I came out in the restaurant, Jack in the Box. But right. <laughs> awesome visual, and I wish it had come out. Somebody needs to put that in a movie. That needs to be in a movie somewhere. Um, and then he said there is definitely a stereotype for women's studies, and there is definitely a stereotype. Oh, absolutely. Studies. But um, it was just funny that I'm like, uh, at the time, my, my, child, my daughter was, I don't know, three two or three <laughs> of years yeah. ago. And I'm like, I'm a, I'm a married mom. Like <laughs> I, part of my identity is suburban mom. Like 
yes, I also teach women's studies. These two things mm-hmm. can well, actually go I'm, together. I'm a gay who actually never took women's studies, uh, unfortunately. So yes, well, there I was we go. In, I was in breaking stereotypes. Yeah. You still had my <laughs> class, so you still technically had a women's studies ish class. <laughs> all my classes end up having gender in them in some way. True. True. <laughs> yep. All right, we also have Jill Vidal, who says hello to you, Dante. Oh, hey, how's it going, Fox? (laughs) All right, so um, I think that pretty much covered all all of us talking about our, at least sharing some. Did you guys have any other sort of aspects? Do we have any terms that we didn't really talk about? We really didn't talk about the difference between sexual and romantic attraction, Uh, though, right? And uh, and, and is he he, uh, throughout the word uh, gray... Gray romantic, I believe, was yes. the term you yes. threw out there. I'm yeah. actually going to put her on the spot to do the the difference between sexual and romantic. Well. <laughs> How dare you! I have to look at my cheat sheet real quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I also know you have the resources because I know you. Oh wait, here we here we go. Um, we've got a question from Andrew. How do you, as people like me who identify as bi, feel about the claim that bi identity is trans exclusionary? This is a very good question, Andrew. Thank you. Which is one, of, it's kind of one of the reasons why I've been trying to say pansexual more. Even I, I've, yeah, I've had the same, the same, the same thing, which is why I'm still at that battle with my heart about having identified, you know, with bi as, you know, early as I did. Um, but there is that idea because bi still perpetuates the idea of this, of the binary right? Mm-hmm. Like it is the binary. I mean, it's bi, like binary. Yeah. <laughs> well, there are also, I'll also throw out that there are trans people who also do identify within the gender binary. Right. So yeah, you know, being attracted to women means women and trans right. people, uh, trans women are women. Yeah. So yeah. that to say, yeah, trans women are also women. Trans women are women. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to say the name of she who will not be named she who will not be named um but women are women <laughs> trans women are women <laughs> so let's just put that out there <laughs> um so so yeah i do think that that is a considerations consideration i have and that is like jay said thinking about the the being open and being inclusive is is so important and is so important right now in where we are in our society and in in the world like we need to be more inclusive and so like i said it's kind of this personal battle of like helping my heart understand it doesn't change who i am to think of it as pansexual versus bisexual just because bisexual is the term that i you know first learned and had that you know recognition with so um, you can also change the meaning of bisexual. Yes. That's okay too. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I have said that bisexual can also be inclusive. Yeah. I've expressed this to Isabella. There's it's, it's, there is a lot of erasure that goes on and it is hard. I think for women or men who are bisexual, who are pan, or pansexual, who are in hetero presenting relationships, mm-hmm. because you do have like that part of your, your identity that isn't recognized by your circumstances. Um, and it is, it is something that, that I've definitely struggled with. Like here's a whole part of myself that isn't seen, um, and that I don't necessarily know how to present. 
So mm -hmm. uh, we're getting some more questions in, so let's see what we have here. So Krista Rowe says, a question for all of us. Do you think there will come a, t a point in your lifetime where there will not be a need to come out when people stop assuming heterosexual is the norm? I dream of this day. I mean, I... Well, go no, go, go ahead, Dante. I feel like I'm going to go on a dry diatribe. <laughs> so get, get your thing in. <laughs> I, I, like, I certainly hope that this is, um, that, that this is a thing. Like, I've, I mean, like with the, like with the, 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 the constant, uh, like the constant upheaval of the narrative around sex and sexual identities, like, I feel like it's, like, it's inevitable that we're going to get to a place where like we're, where folks of all different sexual identities, folks of all different gender identities, like everything's just going to be out in the open, and we're we're going to we're going to eventually reach catharsis. I do believe that generally water does find its level, even though sometimes it takes a little bit longer than uh, than we would like. Um, do I believe that's going to happen in my lifetime? Maybe by the end of my lifetime, maybe. <laughs> um, I think. Like I think we've made a lot of great strides over the last couple of years, specifically like within the last decade. Uh, but I think there's way too much work to do before we reach that cathartic state where everyone just is, and there's no need to have these, you know, have these conversations uh, and you know, and un uncomfortable conversations uh, anymore. All right, diatribe, go. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I wanted to give Jay a chance too. I don't know if yeah. he had popped yeah. up too. So go ahead, Jay, please, if you have something to say. No, I was just agreeing with you know the younger generation today gives me a lot of hope that they're same the potential to move past that in the future. Yeah, I really want to diatribe. <laughs> yeah, I I have seen a, a huge change in the students who do come into my introductory women's studies class in the understanding they have of these issues before they get to my classroom. Um, in the last few years, it has been revolutionary. <laughs> I'm like, oh, all right, you know, you're 18 and you, do, you know what these identities are. And sometimes I will admit they know a little bit more than I do because this is an ever-changing landscape. So, um, um, and I'll just, before before we let Izzy on her diatribe, she's pumping at the bit, I'm sure. Um, I will say that I don't, I mean, I, I think that we're always going to have ways we identify and, and, and identify ourselves. I don't think we're ever going to get to a point where we will just not have social locations or social markers of who we are. Um, what I hope and what I dream is that they don't impact how people necessarily view you, um, that they don't change what they think about you based on that. And that's really the, that's really the dream. You know, we're always yeah. going to want, I think everybody wants to be who they are and wants to have that identity. Um, it's mm -hmm. when those and identities end up not impacting your life in a negative way. So, mm -hmm. all right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so one, I think the ideal is that it coming out is just an expected conversation that we have in talking about ourselves and that the fear of coming out it ideally isn't there anymore. But like that's still a conversation that I feel like still needs to exist in this yeah. utopic like ideal. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's a little it's a little bit like the colorblind argument, like right. the I don't see race. Um, 
the the ideal is not for everyone to be happy-go-lucky and we are all treated exactly the same. It's for everyone to be able to see and acknowledge everyone's differences. It's that, like I said, that queering, right? Where you turn and you look at all sides of who someone is as opposed to just that narrow um, definition. Yeah, and we treat right. people equitably based on uh, let's yes. say based on who they are and what uh, and what they bring to the table, rather than treating folks right you know, equally. Right. Yep. E- yeah. Equals not, never really truly equal. Right. Absolutely. Um, all right. We have a couple more questions in here. Um, so Jay, and I'm going to botch your last name. User U S R R. Ask for the uninitiated, can you explain what the prefix cis means and its origin? Um, I don't actually know the origin of cis. Um, when you say you're cisgender, it means your biology matches your identity. So when I say so I'm... So what? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go for it. <laughs> it all good. So the way I like to explain it is that the gender that you identify with matches the gender that you were assigned at, at As birth, assigned yes. at birth. Yeah. So we are taking biological gender okay, out sorry. of it because biological gender, too. yeah, is it erases a multitude of people, including yeah. intersex people who don't I, fit into the neat. I have gender some old binary boxes. To break. That's what it, is. <laughs> it is. I am schooling the teacher here. I took I'm classes with Regina. It's very satisfying. <laughs> I will have you know that my textbook in that I use for women's studies still uses biological gender, even though it was published in 2018. Um, Yes, it is. It is a little outdated. Yeah. Um, But yes, cisgender means that you identify with the gender you were assigned at birth. So I was assigned female at birth. And I still identify, for the most part, with that gender. Um, the like flip side of that is transgender, when you identify with a gender other than right. the one they that were you were assigned at yes. birth. Yes, that's the um, And this also encompasses non-binary people who do not fit yeah. into the gender binaries or people who identify as outside the gender binary altogether as agender people. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, that the, is not even all of it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that was the, that was probably like the most salient point that you made there. Like, you know, like cisgender means that you were uh that you that your identity matches what you were assigned at birth versus trans. Like it doesn't mean the opposite of what you were assigned at birth. Yes, it means right not what you were assigned at birth. Right, exactly. Yes. Exactly. And this ties into another question that Jay had. Um, would a man involved with a trans woman be identified universally as a straight man? Do they believe that their partner is a woman? Because I hope so, for right. your partner's sake. Yeah. So, yes. And I think that that's also like their, yeah, yes. And their identity <laughs> as well. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's good questions though like there are questions that you know these are questions that people have and would ask so i I also have to acknowledge we are all cis people trying to talk about this so take take this with a grain of salt someone who actually has these struggles would be able to talk better about this we do not not have a lived experience of this so yes i we are trying our best here (laughs) (laughs) and we're still learning all of yes. us. Yeah. 
I love you, Regina. I, I love you too. <laughs> I just like to poke sometimes. It's fun. It's, why do you think I have you here? You think this is an accident? <laughs> All right. Um, okay. We still haven't done um, romantic versus sexual, or did we? Kind of. We kind of touched on it. Am I ready with my notes? Okay, so sexual attraction. Typically, who do you want to be sexually involved with? This may be the same or different than the people who you actually want to have romantic relationships with. And not all people want both. So... Kind of separating them from each other acknowledges that because I am kind of in like the the gray area of both where not all people experience these desires and relationships in the same way. So, um, just and and then there are relationships like queer platonic relationships where people will have basically a partnership where they are they they don't necessarily have sex with each other but they are still romantically or not romantically involved in Mm -hmm. to you know have children or to live together long term um this has happened for a long time like boston marriages are were not just is that a is that a phrase for it boston marriages yes Oh. Um, and let me look up to make sure that it is in fact Boston marriages. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know, I know about queer platonic relationships and I know people who are in them yes. who, who can okay. present as, as technically as like hetero, but who are not, you know, sexually involved with each other. So, yes. I mean, okay. it's, you know, it's a thing. So Boston marriages were where, uh, usually wealthy women in history have, cohabitated together and sometimes it was code for you know queer lesbian women Mm -hmm. who it was just like people not saying anything right um that was just like the code for it at the time but also they were not necessarily involved and just cohabitated together long term because they (laughs) right they maybe didn't want to get married to a man and this was a more feasible way to live together right I don't, I don't know. I feel like I w- went off the rails there. We do have another question. We have a question from Mickey Weiser. Uh, what is a pansexual? Jay, do you want to take that definition? I figure one of the pansexual folks should probably answer what this one. What I think of it is um, experiencing attraction to people regardless of gender, male, female, anything in between. Um, you know, that you're attracted to the person you know, gender doesn't really have a lot to do with it. But I would, yeah, incorrect on that. No, I think I agree. I totally agree. I think that's, that's, that's my understanding as well. Um, and like I said, the evolution was, you know, started out or, you know, the term bisexual, you know, has the reading of the binary between male and female, uh, where pansexual is that kind of that all, all encompassing. And, um, as we had mentioned before, um, isn't exclusion exclusionary of uh, trans identities as well. So good. Great. I think we have covered 
the vast majority of the terms that I wanted to make sure we kind of talked about today. Uh, so let's launch into what I know everybody's been dying to talk about because it's what we talk about, which are our favorite representations of queer identities that we've seen kind of in comic books, TV shows, movies, um, books. I mm. think that's all of them. Yes. Yeah. Video games. Media. Media. Yes. So the media. Um, I'm going to start us off uh, because we had, we talked yesterday about, um, about this part of the, the, the panel. And I, so I want to start with this one character because we all talked about this character. I mean, y'all know who's coming. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about Willow from um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> oh, look at that. She got brought props. Yay! Hello. Yes. Um, so as one of the, I don't know, the first um, queer characters mm-hmm. that I remember seeing, question mark. Explicitly? Explicitly. Yes. Yeah. yes. Very openly, very clearly identified as lesbian with, um, you know, same-sex kiss and, you know, all of those things that, that happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting for me with her is to see her initially try dating a man and then date a woman because that resonated with me personally trying to find my way and then you know ev- everyone has their own orientation and she determined that she was a lesbian right yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah she she explicitly said it in the later seasons of the show yeah what was that last part you said jay you got cut off there i was i was just thinking okay that's not me i'm gonna keep looking right yes exactly that <laughs> that process i also want to posit that uh willow is demisexual yeah I, I absolutely think so. Um, yeah, because I mean, like, she she was like I mean she was kind of like dating at Xander uh, in the in the earlier seasons, and then right. actually and then actually had a like had a, a genuinely loving relationship with Oz that like devastated her when he when he up and left. Yeah, um, which is like it, it's a damn shame that Seth Green left that show because it got significantly worse after he left. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I mean. I mean, yeah, like she, like she is explicitly stated in later seasons that, like, that, uh, that, like, yes, like, like I'm, like I'm pretty gay, but, right. uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. like she has, like, she's absolutely, I mean, like, th- th- this isn't to say that uh, we're trying to, like, you know, erase what she's, like, what she's self-identifying as, but just like in rewatching the show as many times as we all have, like, it, it seems like demisexual is probably a better term for her. Yeah, well, and she can be, and she can be both those things. Um, but I think I, I only had just kind of realized that she was demisexual as I was preparing for this panel and thinking about characters, um, because demisexuals have this, and I'm stealing this from Isabella. She said this in a panel. <laughs> demisexuals have this habit of falling in love with their friends. <laughs> oh, if we want to talk about. It's only looking back that I realized how a little bit in love I was with a lot of my female friends. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Yep, I've never done that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I bet. But I think if you look at Wellow's stories and how how the two primary female relationships that she had started out very much as friendships that evolved into more, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and so I think that that's just very telling of of um, demi experience, at least yeah. from my own. So. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, we had another question here. Jay Usser 
sorry again if I botched your name, McMenemy, everybody watches my name, uh, based on how pansexuals have been portrayed in popular media, Deadpool solo, uh, do you think the term has been compromised and should be eliminated? I don't agree with that. I, mean, I know Deadpool's overplayed, and I also have a Deadpool back there, because um, he's kind of the most visible comic book um, presentation of pansexuals. But Deadpool has other issues that kind of off the rails. It's kind of not the pansexuality that's problematic about Deadpool. It's kind of Deadpool himself that can be problematic, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And are... I would argue that a problematic representation doesn't erase the term. <laughs> it just means it's problematic. <laughs> yeah, I think... There's problematic portrayals everywhere. <laughs> right, yeah. And shouldn't shouldn't necessarily erase the portrayal. Yeah, or, I don't think that, erase the term. Sorry, I don't think that you should erase the term. Like, I think if anything, if anything, Deadpool highlights the need that there need to be more nuanced portrayals mm -hmm. of pansexuality yes. in like in media. Like, uh, goodness, I, I hope and it's not used as a sensational thing, right? No, yeah, exactly. That's not being used as a sensational thing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I hope my girlfriend doesn't watch this because she absolutely loves Deadpool. It's her favorite. It's her favorite uh, comic book superhero, and <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just a little over Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, and I just, yeah, like it's like it's a um, like like it's a, it's a once a victory that he's that he's bringing the term pansexual to a to a, a wider audience because Deadpool has a billion fans. I'm, like, I haven't looked at the statistics of comic books in a long time, but like you slap Deadpool on the cover of a comic book, it's going to sell out and in record numbers. Uh, so in that, so in that case, like it's kind of a success, like in the same way that like, I don't know, like Will and Grace was a success for, you know, and, and, and Ellen DeGeneres right. was a success for, for, for bringing, representation for bringing you know mm -hmm. representation to where none existed before so now that we've got that out of the way like hopefully we can get something more mm -hmm. uh nuanced in the um in the conversation right. and well and i like, think not, not even something like a lot of things more nuanced right i was that's exactly where i was going to go is i think that we're getting we're 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 kind of evolving into a time where we are more comfortable taking time telling stories um mm -hmm. and where you know, our media, we're, we're consuming media in a different way. And so we can, we have these streaming shows where all the episodes come out at once where you can have an overarching story yeah. as opposed to supposed to episodic TV that came out once a week where, you know, originally they didn't know if people were going to, you know, watch every episode and get like the mythology episodes of X-Files, you know, mm -hmm. for example. Yeah. So, you know, we're coming to a time where, where we can delve deeper in at least visual media in in those um stories and and create more nuanced characters and creators are more aware now than they were even two or three years ago and i i would argue that like the one like if deadpool is the one pansexual character that we can point to that only makes the need for more diverse representation of pansexuals in general <laughs> yes best <laughs> It recently that she's pan after years. Oh, very nice. So just had to point that out. Yeah, yeah, that that only makes the need for more diverse representation more necessary. Absolutely. So yep. Yeah. Good. It's when you have a token character that right that it becomes a problem. Just and then everybody keeps they are coming back to, and then that portrayal ends up becoming the portrayal that everybody 
stereotypes and follows after. It's like when Willow and Tara were the only lesbian couple on TV and you end up murdering one of them horribly. Yeah. It's a little problematic. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's great that you brought up the X Men universe because that's what Northstar was uh, back in the back in the mid nineties early two thousands. He was like was like oh look at that like X Men has a gay character now awesome and everyone's just like Wait, who the hell is Northstar like right. <laughs> <laughs> like well he's our gay character <laughs> around the time of you know when they did that big issue with his wedding to Kyle and it was the big cover and it really like it got yeah. out so the it it definitely evolved and I'm grateful. Mm. All right. What other characters do you guys want to talk about? Oh man, I've I've got like I've got a list. So <laughs> I have a like, list too. <laughs> I um, I I mentioned that in this when we were talking um earlier, but um, one of the reasons why I was so attracted to the Vampire Chronicles by Anne Rice, who is not unproblematic herself, I will mm-hmm. admit. But part of the reason I was so attracted to those books as a teen was because I was craving that queer representation mm-hmm. um, from anything, yeah. even if it was, you know, right. problematic. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we should have a drinking game. For- <laughs> problematic. Prob- problematic is still representation, even if it's not. It's Yeah, but when you're yeah. uh, queer, mm-hmm. not don't really know your queer kid in a really small white town that you take what you can get. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So I guess I'll jump in. Um, I've got two that I wanted to, to really talk about one, like one a little bit more extensible than the other. So uh, the first one was, and again, like this is a problematic property just in general, uh, but rent the musical. Uh, it was one of the first musicals that, uh, that I saw like, live on stage like you know like i you know grew up watching like you know videotape uh, recordings and i went to go see it uh on stage and the character uh, angel who uh who's you know, like basically like a like a homeless drifter gay latino man um was was one of the ones that sticks out to me like mostly because it was probably the first time in my very young life that i'd seen a latino person in any property and they weren't like some sort of drug dealing thug um, or like Bernardo from West Side Story, right. uh, you know, who was you know like played by a white guy with brown face in in, in the movie with uh, with Rita Moreno, my hero. So uh, much trouble. But, but yeah, so like I I, I loved um, I loved that in like in that sh- uh, that musical he was uh, he's like unapologetically gay, unapologetically just you know like '90s style fabulous, right? <laughs> And uh, like, and it 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 did a lot uh, did a lot for me as like um, as remembering like this is one of the first gay characters uh, in media that I really have uh, a remembrance of just like of, of seeing and consuming like a, apart from you know Ellen DeGeneres who came out when I was like what eleven twelve years old on uh, on the show uh, but then the other one that I wanted to talk about was in my favorite comic Runaways I brought props too. <laughs> Uh, she, uh, the character's name is, uh, Carolina Dean. And this is, this is what she looks like. She's literally a rainbow, right? <laughs> um, so she, uh, yeah, she's, she, she's basically just, you know, like your, uh, like your Abercrombie model, uh, of perfection, you know, like t- 
tall, like waifishly thin, blonde, long blonde hair, blue eyes, and living this secret closeted life. Uh, that you know, she's she's a lesbian, and she struggles with that throughout the first you know, fifty issues of the comics. And you know, is she she has a crush on one of the, on one of the teammates, doesn't know how to doesn't know how to go ahead and tell her. She finally comes out, and it goes disastrously. Uh, like by the way, this is a coming of age tale in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> um, and I thought that the metaphor for her was just so, was just so perfect that she, she wears this, uh, this basically an inhibitor bracelet. that looks like one of those metalert things that uh, you wear if you have like, you know, diabetes or, uh, or something like that. And when she takes it off, she turns into her, she turns into her true self, which is again, literally a rainbow. And she's able to reach her true, true potential and she's able to fly and she feels uh, she feels more comfortable being like being this uh, like this out person, but you know it draws a lot of attention to herself that she may not necessarily want. And I, I thought it was like just the entire character was a perfect metaphor. She ends up dating a, a shapeshifter who has no attachment to the concept of gender, uh, but you know when he, when he first meets her, he's presenting as a him, and she's just like, yeah, well, like. I don't really date dudes. And he's just like, Oh, okay, cool. Shapeshift. Now I'm a female. Like, I don't care. Like I'm gender nonconforming. It doesn't matter to me. And just the, the entire run and how Brian K. Vaughn, the original author of the series treated her was just, uh, it was, I felt like it was a masterclass in um, like just in metaphors and in representation. Uh, she's hands down easily my favorite character from a comic that probably no one in chat has ever heard of unless they know me because the night because i just talk about it <laughs> we recorded episodes about the first season too on yeah. netflix so. yeah and she's, um yeah, yeah. She's there too. do you guys think that um young adult fiction teams tends to be one of the places where we see more queer representations oh absolutely absolutely i mean like it's like it is like it's basically like well known as a trope now that like, you know, like the coming out conversation as a teenager, like this is like, I can't, I can't tell you how many times like any of us have probably walked into a Barnes and Noble or, you know, RIP borders. Right. Right. Uh, Walked in there and just, you know, taking a look at, uh, at the young adult uh, section and just seeing just like a handful of books of this is how I came out. This is a coming out story. You know, it's like, it, it's one of the things that's, especially like in modern days, I feel like a lot of folks like to go to the well for it. And it's like, it's a perfect time to go ahead and write that kind of a story for the audience that is probably going through that. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Because you know, the questions of identity do tend to come up in adolescence. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, the like social in, structures of high school and all that stuff. Yeah. You've probably got so many, you've probably got so many folks like, you know, like, like Izzy and Jay who are, you know, who are growing up in small towns and, don't know what they identify as, but they just mm-hmm. know that like something's not quite right with this whole like right. role that I was assigned. So you know, like here, like th- like this is a you know this is a book about someone going through a similar experience. Maybe it'll help you. Right. Like it, yeah. I mean it 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 is like it's the easiest place at least the, at least that I think that you can well, that you can go ahead and include something like that without it causing too much you know, controversy. I suppose for lack of a better word. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too. Um, unfortunately, perhaps in our um, uh, snobbish like uh, hierarchy of like important media versus like less important media, 
Um, I think young adult fiction and young adult media in general tends to have like lower stakes to it. So you can be more experimental in it um, rather than things that are aimed at adult audiences more. So I was wondering if that was part of what was kind of going on. And then that got me thinking about, um, I'm trying to think of queer representations in um, Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, oh gosh, what, Yara? Not a great one, but I was going to say Yara or Oberyn. If you love right. Oberyn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although, to that trope, but I find myself getting drawn to a lot, the quote-unquote greedy bisexual. But man, I love Oberyn. <laughs> He's just swag and great. <laughs> I was so sad that he was only in one season. And that he died such a brutal death. Spoilers. I mean, well, Sorry. Doesn't well, everybody die a brutal death? What? Doesn't everybody die a brutal death in that show? Pretty much. There's about five people left. <laughs> so, spoilers, yeah, I guess. One of them's in a wheelchair <laughs> after getting thrown out a window. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, violence. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yara. Yara was great, though. I love. Yeah. Yeah. She was awesome. But as I will say that as I get older, I tire of the coming out mm-hmm. tale mm-hmm. a little bit just after having gone through it. I don't want to, especially ones that deal with like the traumas of coming out because my own sure. coming out to like my parents weren't, wasn't exactly uh, all sunshine and rainbows. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't want to particularly relive that struggle. I want give me my happy queers who are living good lives and right. doing cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I like the new One Day at a Time series too, um, because it's got a combination of dealing with it as a coming out story, but it also mm-hmm. centers it on the family and how the family responds. Yeah, but if you if you want. A show with some truly devastating episodes. Watch one time. Oh, time. God. <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad I watched it when I did. I don't think I could handle it right now. Uh, yeah, I may have cried more than I've ever cried in my life during these <laughs> episodes. So. It's good. And then it gets canceled. What You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You'd be mad about things. <laughs> All right. Um, Jay. I know you want to talk about video games, so let's talk about video games. Okay. Um, (laughs) Well, as I said, um, when I first really discovered that bisexuality was an option was when I was playing BioWare's Dragon Age series. Um, So in the first game, there are two... um, It it almost seems like it was a game mechanic. There's a straight relationship with a woman, a straight relationship with a man, and then there's two characters that can either have gay or straight relationships. Um, But the writing in that series around those characters was so good that they felt fleshed out and, you know, just seeing characters, um, Zevran and Liliana were their names, um, who, where it was situational, where they had a certain fluidity, where it really depended on who you encounter and, you know, where you didn't have to pick a label where there was a fluidity to the option. Um, and I do want to give that series another shout out for taking it through subsequent games and getting more specific with it. Like you have a, <laughs> a character in the third game who is referred to as a pansexual BDSM cow mountain. Iron. <laughs> Love that. Theodore. I should play these games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
there's a Dorian in the third game who is a gay male, and um, it's actually a big part of his backstory about how his father tried to use dark use magic to turn him straight, and it's really traumatic, and it's very well written. And um, like you were saying with video games, you get to experience those roles. You get to maybe play as, you know, play as a straight female or a gay male or anything in between and explore who you are through that projection, through interacting with these characters. Um, <laughs> and on the subject of video games, one did occur to me after we talked last night. Um, I'm a big Overwatch fan, and the fact that their marquee character is a lesbian, uh, kudos for Tracer. That is something great oh, to see. Word. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Blizzard needed to step up its game. <laughs> In terms of representation, uh, you know, with the size crowd that they have. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was at BlizzCon last year. It was a mess of protests and uh, yeah. <laughs> all that. They need, yeah, they needed to do some work. <laughs> so, but I think that, I think that's true. And I, I think one of the things, um, that I love about games and about people finding identities through games is that, is that, that experience of embodying the character and embodying the story in a way that maybe we don't with more passive media, like books and TV movies where you just kind of sit back because you're like actually, and I mean, it's right. And Bioware is the one where you have like the actual options to romance characters, right? Mm-hmm. Not mistaken. Yeah. So that's like a whole mechanic. And I think that that's, that's certainly, you know, <laughs> It, it always makes me kind of laugh to think, oh, romance is a mechanic. But if you think about your life, <laughs> actually playing those games, that's some of the most fulfilling moments. Are coming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think that that's really, you know, it's a, it's a safe place to experiment to and to, and to test out, you know, identities. Um, all right. So I have a comment here. FYI, One Day at a Time is going to be on Pop TV. So it has not been 100% canceled. Yay! Yay! That's awesome. I can't and wait for it to emotionally devastate me some more. I know. Let's cry. Um, and then Jay asked um, again: Did did we see the new Disney short? I have not. I have not. I'm not sure what that. Me either. I don't. I don't know. Thank you. Um, I don't know name, so I'm not sure. Um, but Disney's also stepping up their representations. Um, uh, you know, I don't. I've only watched Frozen 2 oh. once, um, but there is some indication that, you know, Elsa codes as, as gay as well. And in Frozen, the original Frozen, there was um, a, a gay family <laughs> who owned the spa. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. And it's very quick. It's just a flash on their family, but it's two men with uh, their children. Um, and it's still spectacular because for Disney, that's mm-hmm. a big deal. Oh, okay. I have more info about this. Okay. It's a, it's a Pixar short. Okay. Called out about a gay man who finds love and acceptance. Oh. And apparently it's very oh. popular. Um, I have seen people mention it. A few, but I haven't watched it. Representations and yeah. animated stuff. So that's cool. Nice. Yeah. Jay yeah. just put that out. It's about coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Thank you. I haven't, I haven't actually seen it yet, so I'll have yeah, to see it. We'll have to check it out. Out. I'll have to check out. Out. 
Yeah. I just wanted to say out, out. I mean, considering it's a Pixar short, Pixar shorts are usually uh, emotionally devastating. Also, yes, so. they're, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. They've cried that, it ever. Like, well, Pixar films, like, if I, you know, sobbed during I know, Inside the Pixar out. shorts just happened to do it in about five minutes. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not hold back. Just wipe yeah, you out. I remember going to, they were going to see Inside Out in the theaters, and the short before that one was Lava. With yes. Falling in love, I cried the entire time. Like I was, I was, yeah. I was like, the movie hasn't even started. I know. Yet, and I'm ready. And then, to- and then that movie makes you cry too. So it's just. Oh God! It's like he, really? Okay. So Jay said that he cried as well watching Out. So yeah, I'm sure it's mm-hmm. it is it is Pixar's thing, and they they're very good at it and very talented and thankful yes, for that. Yes, they are. Uh, for the people who are watching uh, live, if you have a character you want us to talk about, you're welcome to throw that into the chat as well. Um, I will not guarantee that we have an, an all-encompassing knowledge of every queer character, but um, but we do we do represent a lot of different um, fandoms here. So, oh, I haven't mentioned um, Cora. I'm like, I was just about to call on you. Um, <laughs> I did just get one of the comic book um, in mail just yesterday, so that's that's nice. exciting. Um, but Cora was one of those characters that I. Um, Oh, so for those who don't know, um, Legend of Korra is the sequel series to Avatar The Last Airbender by Nickelodeon. Um, and Korra is a waterbender who... Uh, I, it is never explicitly said in the show, um, except that at the she is... Code, like people were reading into it like all along and I'm pretty sure the big fan like push for it is what eventually convinced the writers to write it into the show. Um, I'm pretty sure they've said so. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end she and her girlfriend walk into a brilliant light and act like they're going to kiss, but it's never explicitly on screen as a kiss Except that in the comic books, right after that, it's shown that they're kissing. So it is, and immediately after that all came out, the creator said, yes, they are gay. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> or they are queer, because i mm-hmm. pretty sure Cora is bisexual also. Mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm a. I, I'm a I adore her. I cosplay her. So here is clearly Isabella cosplaying. Oh, oh gosh, that is so old. <laughs> it's not that old. There you go. It's not quite. That is probably 2014, 2015. I was going to say five years. Five years is a lot if you're talking about early 20s and late 20s. Mm-hmm. Just, just saying. It was 2016. <laughs> my my phone just told me it was 2016, so it wasn't that far. Four years ago. Four years. I remember it. I remember it being one of the first cons that we went to together. Yeah. I think it was the first time we went to Emerald City. Yes. Actually. Oh, yeah. So. Yep. We had a table with. Feels like ages room. ago because that yep. was about 25 cons ago. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I'm not saying we have a problem with going to cons. <laughs> no. We have a problem with what you do to us at the cons. <laughs> And how much lighter my wallet is at the end of No the- idea what you're talking about at all. Oh, no. 
no, no, no. The, this picture that, of Neil deGrasse Tyson up there, like that's definitely not something that you. <laughs> okay, people, I do have a habit of walking the two of them down the aisles so that I know they're going to find things and they're going to buy, and yeah. encouraging them gently. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, maybe not so gently, um, no. but they do the same thing to me. I have a, I have a, a Star Wars, um, a Han shot first panorama picture hanging over my TV that Isabella made sure I bought at the last Rose City Comic Con. So, oh. And don't you also have that, uh, that metal sculpture of uh, I drink and I know things? I do. Yeah. I do have a cutout of I drink and I know things, um, yeah. which I still think should have been the motto for my dissertation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. We have another question here. Um, Rachel Bennett is asking, what are your thoughts on Alice from the original L Word regarding bi representation? I haven't watched the L Word. Um, I, yeah, I'm going to have to cut out of this one. Oh, never Jay. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've watched the L Word. Probably, like, gosh, 10 more years. So, but I remember people were not very happy about the representation because they kind of, I think it is an example of bi erasure, if I am remembering right. Uh I don't know. know, I don't have a good memory about these things. (laughs) Did you watch the show, Jay? I did not. No, I was just Rachel because she's a good friend of mine. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) About Rachel, I'm sorry. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think any of us have enough. Um, um, yeah, from what I show. remember, uh, the L word was pretty um, uh, biased quite a lot. So, yeah, that's yeah. that. I watched like a handful of episodes, and I've read some articles. There was a lot of um, academic discussion about it when it came out, um, and I was reading more of that stuff back then. Um, and so I've read a little bit here and there, but I don't know it enough to, to really comment. Um, I, I have watched, um, uh, like I, I told Isabella, I call the show, the new sex in the city. It's called the bold type. Um, they're in their early twenties and there was, you know, one of the characters in that, um, kind of went through the journey of recognizing that she was lesbian and then she broke up with her girlfriend and then was, you know, sleeping with a guy and she's just like, what's happening to me? And I'm like, you're pan or you're bisexual. Like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's okay. And then finally, like, it took three episodes for them to kind of come to say, oh, it's okay that you're bisexual. And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, and the, what I told you was, you, you got to have plot, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You got <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a simple plot. needed a have. story for those three episodes. So it had to be this like big thing for it. And then I'm you like, know what do you mean? What's happening? This is normal too. And fluid and hello. And anyway, <sighs> okay. I'm stopped watching that show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the geek embassy does not endorse the whole time. <laughs> All right. We have a comment from Beth Lopez about flick and CJ from animal crossing. They got oh each other's talents and say partner when talking about each other, they have to be queer. Oh, I'm fascinated. Tell me more. I, I have um, uh, they are totally boyfriends. Uh, one of them, so CJ is an otter that comes to your island and you can sell fish to him. And Flick is a lizard, 
who you can sell bugs to. So, but they talk about each other and they basically have a business together and talk about each other as their partners and like squee about each other. Yeah. And I am, they are definitely married. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's, those are my thoughts. <laughs> I don't I like care, that. Nintendo. You can say it isn't a thing and that they're just business partners, but we right. all know what that means. Right. <laughs> well, there is lots of coded language, like friends and partners where, you know. You yeah, pals. Or people have, you know, over, you know, the years had those relationships and, you know, represented yeah, Zena, them Yeah, Zena and Gabrielle were just yes, gal pals who were yeah. just soulmates yeah. who died for each other several yep. times and kissed on screen multiple times mm-hmm. and ended up together at the yeah. end. Yep. You know, gal pals. Uh, Rachel made another, Rachel Bennett made another comment. Um she did a quarantine rewatch of The L Word, and it is rough. It hasn't aged well, but it was yes. so important to her as a young queer when it first came out. And I would agree with that. I think it was yeah. especially to have the title and have it be like center storied. Um, I think I think it was, you know, important. And you know, I, I have said this, and I and I will continue to say this. It's really we can't really judge. We have to judge where it was at the time. So, so it's not going to be the kind of representation we want now because our understanding of representation is so much deeper and more nuanced now. And we're having conversations about this, like this panel where, you know, 10 years ago, (laughs) I don't think four people would have been comfortable sitting, talking about the evolution of their sexual identity in an online format. Um, you know, like, like we are here. So, um, yeah. So the L word came out in 2004. So it is definitely a product of its time. Yeah. That was still, that's still very early 2004, like 15 years ago. It's, yeah. It was yeah. early days still for yeah. that kind of thing. Yep. The, yeah. That's practically the wild west. Yeah. Well, I remember there's one episode of Sex in the City where Charlotte gets in with a bunch of like high powered lesbians mm-hmm. and um, she becomes like friends with them. Um, but she's not interested. She's not sexually attracted to them. Um, but they all think she's like, you know, on her way to this discovery. Yeah. And then once she admits that she's not going to be sexual with any of them, they kick her out of the group. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <Yeah>. that was <laughs> problematic maybe <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> definitely problematic turns um, out we are not all a, a, a click right everyone <laughs> right exactly so i think beth said i think flick is a chameleon so yeah oh oh that makes sense, makes sense. chameleons do eat bugs that's true that's true um that all right loves so, them a lot I'm trying to see what we had left kind of on our notes. I do think we need to acknowledge that the Marvel Cinematic Universe needs help. <laughs> uh, yeah, because the ways. only character that they have, or I, I suppose two characters that they've got, um, Valkyrie kind of codes as gay, and Captain Marvel, especially like in Endgame with her uh, with her haircut, like super codes as gay. <laughs> Um, like and just like and even in her own movie with uh, like with the uh, the close relationship that she had right. with Maria Rambo, it yep. was like, oh, that was so gay. Oh yeah, like, I, <laughs> I, walked, I walked out of the I walked out of the movie and I um yeah and I, I texted the uh, the woman that I was dating at the time and I was just like, pretty sure that they're gay and, and uh, yeah, 
she lived in a different city and she's like, I was like, I'm pretty sure. I'm like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. But so like, like neither of us like felt really comfortable just being like, yeah, like definitely is. But like that, that just bespeaks to the problem that like the, the best part of the, the, the best kind of representation in the cinematic universe is this kind of like nebulous coded character. Um, and we like we haven't had any on-screen kisses. We haven't had any on-screen relationships. Like, yeah, I have some hopes, uh, for Valkyrie, um, because Tessa Thompson has come out and said she's by. I played her as by, you know, for what for what that's worth. And right. hoping that in Thor: Love and Thunder, with her maybe playing a more prominent role as the new Queen of Asgard, they will give her, you know, a relationship and just do it. I, I want to see that, please. please. Yeah, I'm good. No, I would, yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. Um, I kind of like I kind of hope the same thing for um for the Winter Soldier and the Falcon when that show comes out on uh, on Disney Plus um because like, like there was there was definitely a like a little bit of like mm-hmm. I think unspoken tension between like between Cap and Winter Soldier uh especially like like in the Winter Soldier and in you know and in the uh, you know Civil War and things like that I've but written yeah. that fiction. I'm sorry? I've written that fan fiction. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> They are definitely um, boyfriends. I'm but yeah, like, I, I feel oh, like so much. But yeah, I definitely feel like um, like like mm-hmm. Falcon and, and Winter Soldier can uh, like they like they're on the way to developing that kind of uh, like that kind of a friendship or a kinship. Yeah, um, I hope so. But yeah, I'm here maybe for that's it. just me reading too fit, too into it. But I'm definitely here for it. All right, we have another another great another great comment from Adam. It says, for me, the first representation of a non-binary person, not just in media, but at all, was mm-hmm. Quina from Final Fantasy. That's nine, right? I'm so bad. Yeah. So many roles. Okay. Yes. Quina was always referred to with the pronoun S slash he. And at the time, I just thought it was a translation error, but it kept popping up. So I looked into it, and that was really my first exposure to the concept of being non-binary. Oh, wow. Way to go, That's Final awesome. Fantasy. Yeah. I am not that familiar with Final Fantasy at all because it is a huge universe. <laughs> I, I gave up on playing Final Fantasy because turn-based combat just bores the snot out of me, but, like, good job for representation. Well, Final Fantasy, I have found, has some very rabid fans. Uh, you think? The people who love Final Fantasy really love Final Fantasy. Um, yeah. but I, I, I have the same issue with the gameplay. I've, I tried, I think multiple, um, Final Fantasy games. So I never got into it, but the representations and the fan fiction and the fan art and the oh, yeah. attachment that people have to the characters in Final Fantasy is, mm-hmm. is awesome. I think it's fantastic. Um, yes. and the stories that come out of it, I think are really powerful. Um, so I'm really glad, again, like I said, um, I think games and as a media is a really great place to have, you know, these representations, especially since you do get to kind of inhabit the characters. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think we should probably wrap up. We were at about 2.30 now, so we've gone for about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to thank everyone who tuned in and listened, especially those who commented and gave questions. You made this a really fun and interactive panel, as I hoped it would be. Um, I'm going to let each one of our um, our panelists here give you like their send out to chair where you can check out their work and their writing and catch them on their social media. And we'll start with Dante. 
Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, again, I'm Dante Bucheri. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Dante Informal. Uh, disclaimer, a lot of it these days is either like Magic the Gathering or Black Lives Matter, m- pretty heavily on the Black Lives Matter uh, right now. So if that's not really your thing, um, I'm not sure why you're turning into this program, but also just like, just be aware, like that's basically where my head is right now um and yeah that's uh that's where you can find me and um we record an episode of uh, the geek embassy watches roughly like once every four to six weeks we haven't uh, we haven't done anything this month yet but it's coming so keep an eye on thegeekembassy.com and we'll um, we'll make it happen for you all right jay all right. Uh, my socials are under my gender neutral nom de plume, which is J-A-Y-E-M-I-L-I-U-S. That'll get you on Twitter. Um, on Facebook, I'm J Milius author. And uh, yeah, occasionally maybe I'll write something for the Geek MC because it's been a while and I feel like I owe you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm always happy when you're writing for us. So you're always welcome. <laughs> All right, Izzy. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Izzarizzo, I-Z-Z-O-R-I-Z-Z-O, and geekembassy.com. Um, disclaimer, it's pretty much all Black Lives Matter right now, too, so. <laughs> I see it. Don't, don't. Many of us. Don't come looking if you're not interested in that, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I am Regina McMenemy, uh, executive editor at thegeekembassy.com. My podcast is Game on Girl, which is based on my dissertation research and talks about gender and gaming and broad pop culture now as well. Uh, So check out the feed. You can find that on my Twitter, which is at DocLiz with two Zs. You can also find me at on Instagram under that same name. Uh, We have Twitter for the Geek Embassy at the Geek Embassy and the same for Instagram. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in and for listening, for sharing your comments and questions. Please follow up, hit us up on our social media, uh, chat with us. Uh, We're all very open and happy to have these conversations and to continue them. Uh, So thanks for listening. And until next time, queer on. <laughs> I was like so it. proud of that one. <laughs> that's, that's uh, th- thank you again to uh, to Awesome Con and Rose City Comic Con for, yes. uh, for sponsoring this talk. Thank you yeah, so much for, for having us on. Letting the four of us, yeah. Yes, and we love we we're big fans. We've all been to Rose City Comic Con, so yes. And thank you, you to our moderators. Yes, thank for you for the moderators who went through all the questions for us. Uh, we yeah. had Leslie, Lauren, and Heather helping out with the comments. So thank you. So. Bye.